Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. So with today being Father's Day, we tend to spend time thinking about how our families are. The things that we love about them, the things that we wish were different, all of those things we miss about how stuff used to be. And then we think about the things that drive us bonkers about how our family behaves in private and in public. I cannot be the only one who does this on Father's Day and Mother's Day. So we joke about our families and say things like, well, we can't pick our relatives, so we're stuck with them. I also know I'm not the only one who has said that. Now, despite things like legal emancipation or writing people out of our wills or a couple other things that we have fought up to try to sever relationships, nothing completely severs the relationship and our placement within our family trees. For better or worse, we will always be identified as part of a particular family and will be known by our place in that family. As a father or a mother, as a son or a daughter or a cousin or an aunt or an uncle or a fifth cousin nine times removed or however all of that works. We are born as having a genealogical place in a family. We don't get a choice in it. It's just how it is. So no matter what, we are a leaf on at least one family tree. So one of my dad's hobbies and my grandpa on my mom's side hobbies is to sit at the computer on Ancestry.com and work out all the genealogical stuff because it makes them very happy to do these things. So my dad did the work and traced our family back to Ellis Island where we came across the Atlantic Ocean from Germany and the Netherlands. And then the trail stopped because like many families, our last name was changed at Ellis Island. So we can kind of guess what it was when it was still over in Europe, but we can't do it with any certainty. Neat. So my grandpa on my mom's side has managed to trace that side of the family back to like the 1700s or the 1800s and found the corner of Germany where our long lost cousins nine times removed now currently live. And in case you're wondering, there is no one famous in any of that. <laughs> so when you are working on your family tree on Ancestry.com, 
you can find out a lot more than you started with once you type in some basic information. So if you type in someone's name and their birthday and possibly where they were born or where they got married or where they died or where their burial plot is, like some other piece of information, this little leaf will show up beside their name and you can click on it and you can find out some more information to make sure it is in fact the right John Smith in your family tree. And if it is, you can say, yes, this is the correct one. And it will just fill out whatever portions of the family tree are already in the database, which is really cool if you like that kind of thing. This is not a commercial for Ancestry.com. Bear with me. <laughs> but despite all of this work, it really can't go much farther than named relationships of telling you who is related to whom and where they were born, where they got married, where they died. It doesn't tell you what kind of relationship it was or who they were friends with or what their personalities were like. So at best, a family tree is a snapshot of how people are related to one another. So to get information about what the relationships were really like, you have to have a story or a diary or a memoir or a sack of letters or something that fills in what those lines of relationship mean. So an example, somewhere at my mom's house, there is a picture tucked away of a three-year-old me taking a nap, my favorite hobby, taking a nap, and I am clutching this little plastic Fisher-Price flashlight. Now, most of you would probably look at that and be like, yep, I have raised a child, and when they grab something and they want to take a nap with it, not worth the fight. Let them sleep with the flashlight. But if you show this picture at our family gatherings, we start to laugh because we know the story that goes along with it. It involves me and my two cousins being at my grandparents' house. My cousin Annette and I were asleep in the back bedroom. Well, we were assigned to sleep in the back bedroom. And my cousin Jeremy was assigned to sleep on the couch in the front room. So my grandparents, without fail, would go to sleep before we did every time. And so Jeremy would leave the front room and would crawl on the hardwood floor. So if you've ever crawled as a child on a hardwood floor, you know they can hear you coming. Because he wanted to come pester us. And as I said, napping is my favorite hobby, which means I also like to sleep. And I did not want to be bothered. And so I would sit poised at the door. What was in my hand, friends? The flashlight. Um, kids, do not do this. This is not your pastor telling you to do this. And so he would come in the door, and the plastic flashlight would find its way to his head. Um, and so our family would see this picture, and they would know all of the pieces of the story that they just found out about about three years ago. Um, so they could fill in a little bit more of the information about what our relationship was like when we were all kids. You need the story to get a better picture. And that is really what the Bible is. It's stories about God, and it's stories about how God made and interacted with all of creation. 
It's also the stories about how creation received God's promise of love and care. It's the stories of how people who are part of creation strayed and forgot how to trust God. It's the story of Abraham's family and David's family and of prophets who acted as messengers for God. And in the midst, there are songs and there is poetry and there are law codes and there are letters and there are stories of judgment and there are genealogies. There are family trees. And one of those tells us of all of the generations from Adam and Eve through Noah to Abraham. Another goes backwards from Jesus and ends with Abraham and then with Adam and then with God. It helps to know how people are related and how lines are traced through history. But it's the stories about how those people lived in relationship with one another that are what we remember. Because some of us can tell the story of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. It's in Genesis if you need a refresher. Others of us can tell the story about how David and Solomon are related. But not many of us can tell the stories of all of the names of the people who came before Abraham and came between Joseph and David and came after Solomon. But the important piece is that at the foundation of all of these different family tree relationships is that there is a God who exists in relationship as Father and Son and Holy Spirit. They are so tightly woven together that no one person of the Trinity is more important than the other, and no one person of the Trinity can be fully explained without the others. And it's this type a very close relationship, so close that we can't truly comprehend or imagine it no matter what type of illustration we try to use, be it water and air and ice or three-leaf clovers or anything else you have ever heard, none of it actually gets it right. But it's this mysterious and close-knit relationship that we are brought into through the waters of baptism. We enter this new and transformed relationship with God and with one another and with everything else in creation. We are grafted on to the family tree that existed at the beginning as the Trinity before anything else was breathed into creation. See, God adopts us through those waters and makes space for us in the chaos that is a family tree of millions of brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and great, 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 great grandparents and so many cousins that we can't even count them. So our homework this week is to answer some questions. What stories about our lives and our relationships to one another are being told and retold and being handed down to the generations that come after us. What stories about God's actions here and now 
are we telling our children and grandchildren? And if we're not doing that, then the question becomes, what stories are still waiting to be told about how God is at work in our lives? And once we figure that out, then we have the work of telling the stories. So seriously, think about these questions. Find those stories and tell your kids, tell your grandkids, tell your neighborhood kids, tell all of the next generations, because we have good news to share. Amen.